With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. and welcome to another episode of A Sound Heart. And we want to give God thanks for this opportunity to meet with you again. And it is my prayer that uh, your day is blessed and guided by the divine will. If your day is guided by God's divine will, then I know that you will experience a complete day and a day that is filled with joy, uh, with a complete awareness that you are in fellowship with the Lord and that you are prospering in that relationship with him. I mean, isn't that the most important thing, to know that one is prospering in his or her relationship with God Almighty? And if you have made it your desire and goal to prosper in Christ, you are blessed. And those within your periphery are also blessed because of the commitment that you have made. You have become a conduit of blessing uh, to others because of your relationship with God. Your cup runneth over. And the cups of those within your periphery will run over too. And so it is vitally important that you and I abide in him. Jesus said, abide in me. And if we abide in him, that is, uh, we are at home in his will, then many wonderful things, many wonderful blessings will happen in our lives. There will be answered prayer. There will be a sense of destiny. There will be a sense of purpose. And there will be a praise that you know, presence of the Spirit in your life. Because when you're in relationship with the Lord, in vital fellowship with him, you're going to be filled with the Spirit. And you will know that your life, uh, that the Holy Spirit is using you and you are producing the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Your, your walk is effective. Your talk is effective. Your decisions, your goals, your cogitations, your meditations are prospering you. And I say this with great confidence because there is uh, one 
a professor. Uh, he is also uh, he has a degree in nursing, and he is also a medical doctor. His name is Dr. Koenig. Um, he has written for many years on the prosperity that happens. That that is the the clinically measurable prosperity that happens in the lives of believers because of their relationship with God. He has done statistical and clinical measurements for many years, astounding results uh, with regard to this reality. So don't throw away your faith. Your faith is highly valuable. Your faith is a source of wealth. Re-understand uh, and reconsider what your faith is worth. Reconsider the value of faith uh, in this present evil age. And you will see marvelous things happen in your life. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask to be directed by the Holy Spirit this morning. We pray, Lord, that uh, there are no unconfessed sins in our hearts so that we can be taught by the Spirit, who is our primary teacher. And so, Father, we ask for your wisdom to guide us as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, this show is entitled, Job's supernatural testing and triumph over empirical therapeutic interventions. Now, I want to study Job for what God has to teach us about himself through uh, this particular document. There are those who say that the theme of the book of Job is why the righteous suffer, why the righteous suffer. That is a theme of the book of Job. But it is not the theme of the book of Job. Primary truth of the book of Job is the freedom of God, the freedom of God. And we will also receive a deeper knowledge of the person of the Satan and how God uh, uses this particular, uh, this spirit being, uh, this great spirit being for his own purpose. And we're going to go to Revelation chapter 12 and I'm there I'm going to provide some more information to you about the devil. Now, in the book of Job, uh, we will see that the devil has access to heaven. In Revelation 12, he is cast out of heaven. Both he and his angels are cast out, never to have access to heaven again. The devil, it is revealed in the book of Job, can inflict disease. He can inflict uh, a bodily disease. He can disrupt uh, the biochemistry of the body. 
He knows our cellular structure. He knows our amino acids. He knows macromolecules. He knows our, our, our cells. He knows about uh, ADT, adenosine triphosphate. He knows the semi-permeable semi nature of our, our cellular structure. He knows our neurons. He knows uh, what synapses are. He knows the heart. He knows the brain. Uh, he knows our sinews, our tissues, our veins, our arteries. He knows our lymph system. He has an intimate knowledge of us physiologically and anatomically. He also has access to the brain. He understands brain tissue, brain chemistry. He understands how the brain operates. He knows that the brain, uh, the brain is uh, divided into two hemispheres, with the corpus callosum uh, dividing the brain in two. He knows how the brain works. He knows human consciousness. He will enter into Job's. He will create nightmarish events for Job. When Job is in so much pain that uh, he cannot, Job will be in so much pain that he cannot flee to sleep because the devil will invade his mind. Now, I want to tell you at this point, that in the last days through uh, artificial intelligence, this ability to invade consciousness and to create nightmarish scenes before the mind will be augmented, will be utilized by 5G and 6G. Hence, I want you to understand why in Ephesians 6 we're told to put on the armor of God. This is the only way you and I will be protected in these present evil days. So, Job's three friends plus one are not really his friends. They have come to, uh, they, will, uh, they will speak, uh, they will see his pain, observe his pain, and they will be silent for a certain period of time, but then they will speak their opinion about the source of his troubles. Now, please understand that Job's three friends plus one do not have access to the throne room of God. They do not know the, what has transpired between what God has said can and will be done and what he will allow the devil to do. They don't have that knowledge. They are not all-knowing. They do not have a comprehensive understanding of Job's condition and situation, and yet they will enter into uh, Job's life to uh, give their opinions about his situation. I will commend the uh, uh, Job's three friends plus one for their understanding of the importance of confession. 
the import and the clinical necessity of confession in order to free the soul. They want Job to confess that they are right and he is wrong. Job is a man who is renowned. He is renowned. His faith, his godliness, his righteousness is renowned. This is no ordinary uh, individual. This man was extraordinary in every way. He was extraordinary. His life was exemplary. He was thoughtful. And he, uh, he was a man who, who walked with God, who knew God, who loved God, and who served God. Before I go on, let me explain that in the Hebrew mind, righteousness, that is rightness, is what one does, not what one talks about and fails to practice. And so one would never hear from the lips of Job, do as I say and not as I do. Job's words matched his actions. Job's actions matched his words. He was whole, body, mind, and spirit. He was whole. And uh, he achieved his wholeness. He achieved his spiritual homeostasis through having a wonderful relationship with God. He had inner peace, not an abstract, uh, secular, new age uh, inner peace. Job had God's own peace. He experienced that in his life on a daily basis. So we begin in Job 1, in the land, uh, Job 1, chapter chapter 1, verse 1, in the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God. This is a healthy, reverential fear, not a dreadful fear. This was healthy reverence and shunned evil. Job knew that evil was not an abstraction. Job knew that evil person. Job knew about evil spirits and what they, how they could havoc the life of an individual. And so, here uh, we see that this this man was indeed someone quite special. Hence, the reason why his story is included in significant history, that is Old Testament history. He is included for a reason. This was a powerful man. So, and then... uh, we read at the end of verse 3, 
He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. He was the greatest. And so uh, this man was incredible in every way. And Jesus Christ is going to test him. We can say Yahweh, Adonai, Elohim, <clears throat> the angel of Yahweh, but Jesus Christ is going to, you will remember in the New Testament that Jesus said to Peter that the Satan uh, desired to have him back in order to sift him as wheat. And Jesus said to Peter, I have prayed for you. And when you have recovered, then you will minister to your brethren. Now, Jesus knew. And remember, this was at the end of his public ministry. Toward the end of his public ministry. Satan has uh, asked to have you back. That he might sift you as wheat. Remember that after the temptation, we read that the devil left Jesus for a season. He left him for a season. The devil is highly opportunistic. Here in the book of Job, we see his opportunistic nature. It comes through God. And the devil will say certain things about the character of Job. Why? Why such biting uh, uh, statements against the character of Job? Because Job was strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If you, but there, if an individual is a weak or fleshy believer, the devil doesn't have to go after that person to tip that person. That person is in the flesh. Paul wrote, those who are in the flesh or who walk according to the flesh cannot please God. They have in their minds, there's nothing about pleasing God in their lives. They are what we call practical atheists. They are believers, but they walk in the flesh. This, that is, Job was not a believer who walked according to the flesh, but he walked according to the Spirit. Job knew that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, his wife advised him to say something about God that Job rejected. And notice, that at the end of chapter 1, after all the horrific news that he had received about his children, about his oxen, about his sheep, uh, and, you know, about uh, his servants, his camels, Job, in verse 20, at this we read, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. As a, a the tearing of the robe and the shaving of the head is a is a an act of grief. It is a sign of grief. 
He is in intense grief and sorrow. Job is experiencing sudden, unexpected, unanticipated, unimagined grief. So, he he tore his robe and he shaved his head. Now, notice, it's interesting. We The text does not read in verse 20 that Job tossed himself up on the ground. We read that when Joshua failed at Ai, he cast himself down because of what had happened. And God told him what had happened. God said, there's sin in the camp. And so, so look, this is why you've experienced this failure. But we read that Job got up. This was no act of contrition for personal sin. This was not about Job's own sin. These events reached into his heart, his children. And in the ancient East, uh, Job did not have stock and stocks and bonds and ETFs. Wealth was measured by concrete objects. Wealth was concrete. Wealth, Wealth was real. He knew of gold and silver. Real wealth, concrete. Now, so then he fell to the ground. After those acts, after he tore his robe and shaved his head, he fell to the ground in worship. We know what Job's heart was like. We understand who he is because he says, naked, I came from my mother's womb, and naked I will depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. I have a book written by a medical doctor in which he talks about how the Nazis had taken this man's family and put him against a wall and machine gunned them to death. This man saw this horrific event before his own eyes. But, and the Nazis did this in order to crush him, in order to defeat his spirit. But in that situation, that man chose another, he chose not to hate his enemy. He chose in that event to forgive and not to allow what they wanted him to experience to enter into his heart and crush him. See, real spirituality 
and a real relationship with God is developed over time. It is what one practices throughout one's life. And so this man honored his family by his act. So Job, in verse uh, 22 of chapter 1, we read, In all this, Job did not sin by charging God with wrongdoing. We have affliction and worship. We have grief, affliction, and worship. Job is an example faithfulness under trial. James 5.11. We are to allow the Spirit of God to undertake our spiritual formation through submitting to the will of God. We are to give up own will. We're to offer up our will unto the Lord. When we surrender our will to the Lord, that is the beginning of discipleship. If you notice that in the New Testament, discipleship can only begin when there is surrender of the will, not the surrender of the tongue, but with the surrender of the will comes the surrender of the tongue, therefore the surrender of the talk, the surrender of the walk, the surrender of the ears, the surrender of the eyes. Everything about surrender begins with the giving over of our will to the will of God. When am I most satisfied? When do I, how do I seek the ultimate satisfaction in my life? I drop the pronoun my and I take to myself the pronoun his, his will, thy will. Thy will be done in me. When you make that decision to allow God to God's will to be the focus of your life or one's life, you will see great things happen. Great events unfold in the book of Job because of Job's decision to let God have his way in his life. Now, in chapter chapter 4, Eliphaz, this is chapter 4 of Job. So we have Eliphaz. His name means my God is gold. My God is gold. Then we have 
Bildad. And his name means confusing or confusing by by mingling love. Here we have Zophar. Uh, his name means sparrow, like the bird, or impudent. Okay? Not showing due respect for another. He is impertinent and brazen. So, uh, in chapter 4, verse 1, Eliphaz the Temanite uh, speaks to Job. So, invites Job to practice what he preaches. Job's loss and stabbing grief is not a concern for Eliphaz. This is chapter 4, verse 2 of Job. If someone ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? But who can keep from speaking? Think how you have instructed many, how you have strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You have strengthened faltering knees. But now, but now, notice the accusing witness. But now. Verse 5. But now trouble comes to you. And you are discouraged. It strikes you. And you are dismayed. Should not your piety be your confidence? You see the attack? And your blameless ways, your hope. Remember, Job was blameless at the beginning of chapter 1. We, we, and so now, Eliphaz attacks the notable piety of Job. He begins in verse 5 with saying, but now. Verse 7, consider now who having, uh, who being innocent has ever perished. Where were the upright ever destroyed? As I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble reap it. Now, do you see what he is saying about Job? This man is no friend. He is not there. He is not a Barnabas. He is not a son of consolation. He is not a son of comfort in the life of Job. He has come as an accusing witness. He has come to exacerbate this man's already intense, horrific suffering. So uh, Eliphaz goes on about himself in verse 12. A word was secretly brought to me. My ears caught a whisper of it. Amid disquieting dreams of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, fear and trembling seized me and made all my bones shake. A spirit glided past my face, and the hair on my body stood on end. It stopped, but I could not tell what it was. A form stood before my eyes, and I heard a hushed voice. Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? 
If God places no trust in his servants, and if he charges his angels with error, how much more those who live in houses of clay, whose foundations are in the dust, who are crushed more readily than a moth. Now, so Eliphaz relates to Job his experience. And it is upon his uh, his experience uh, that he uh, renders his interpretation of life. Brothers and sisters, avoid those who make their experience the only test of truth. The word of God does not change, but experiences do. We are all different, and Yahweh deals with each of us in ways appropriate to our needs. And he enters into our lives in such a way that he nurtures us and loves us uh, to maturity. He matures us through his love. God does not point an accusing finger at us. And so Eliphaz has come to do, to exacerbate, he has come to do uh, spiritual harm to Job. (laughs) Because his experience uh, is above Job's grief. And his experience uh, is used by Eliphaz to bludgeon Job. Now, Job is a man in grief, and yet, in chapter 6, Job is going to reply. In verse 2, if only my anguish could be weighed, and all my misery be placed on the scales, it would surely outweigh the sand of the sea. No wonder my words have been impetuous. The arrows of the Almighty are in me. My spirit drinks in their poison. God's terrors are marshaled against me. This is Job's estimation of what he is experiencing. He is deeply wounded. And his friends apply no healing balm to his life. Their word, again, is a word of accusation. They will not listen to him. They will not listen to Job. They want Job to listen to him. Listen. Listen to the dynamic that is going on here. In the midst of this man's grief and stabbing pain, In their arrogance, well, they want Job to adhere to and listen and apply their arrogance, their arrogant viewpoints to his condition. They have not suffered this kind of harm, but they don't know that God is going to use what Job has experienced and what he is going through to make to build Job uh, to build up his life even greater. They don't see it. Job 
has sinned in their eyes. This is the way they see him. And so they want to evoke through their interrogation, they want to evoke a confession of wrong, of sin, of unrighteousness. They know of his spiritual renown. Just think what a feather they would have in their cap in the east and one of them could put Job in his place and get him to confess that he is not blameless and he does not shun evil but there is sin in his life and that there is has been secret wrongdoing if they one of them could get Job to confess then their notoriety would be cemented Job goes on in verse 14 of chapter 6, quote, A despairing man should have the devotion of his friends, even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. This is what he says to them in verse 15. But my brothers are as undependable as intermittent streams, as the streams that overflow when darkened by thawing ice, and swollen with melting snow. You see what he says about them? Job says, I'm a despairing man, and I should have the devotion of my friends. But he says, but my brothers, verse 15, are as undependable as intermittent streams. He knows they're not there for him. And so along with his grief, about his family, his wife, his possessions, what is going on with him physically. He has this additional burden. Now, many people quote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens. James wrote that We're to count it all joy when we are surrounded by trials, when we are surrounded by trials. That verse gave me, I had a hard time with that verse for a long time. I uh, count it all joy when we're surrounded by trials. And then Paul said, or stated, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Where does this come from? Where did this kind of strength come from? In the life of Job, in the life of Paul, in the life of James. Where does, what is the source of this strength? What is the source of this compelling conviction? Galatians 2.20, for Paul, he had crucified the flesh. James was a brother of Jesus. This man was, he wasn't a super saint, but he was a man who has seen what happened to his, his brother and his Lord. He has seen the print of the nails in his hands. 
he knew and he experienced the post-resurrection ministry of Jesus. And so did Paul. Job could write, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the last days I shall see him. Job knew this. This is Job 10, verse 25. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon the earth And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. That's Job's faith. His pain is so intense that He could not look around, and he was forced by his circumstances, his situation, his pain, not to look around. His friends weren't there to help him, but he was forced to look up. Paul, in his situation, being a prisoner of Rome, could not look around. He was forced to look up. James could not look around. He was forced to look up. Peter could not look around. He was forced to look up. Noah could not look around. He was forced to look up through one window in the ark. Jesus is our ark. Don't you see the ark in the book of Job? Don't you see that Job is aboard the ark that is Jesus? Don't you see that he's being tossed by the cool winds and waves of friends and situations? Don't you see that God sits enthroned above the flood and that Jesus has hold of Job and he is not going to let him go? Job is not going to flee into insanity. He's not going to flee into madness. He's not going to flee into irreverence. He's not going to flee into atheism. He is not going to flee into hostility toward God. He's not going to flee into drugs or sex or any type of self-abuse. He's going to look up unto the rock that is higher than I. Job knows through faith, that God is for him. He is being tested supernaturally, and he will overcome the empirical, that is what what the eyes only see. He will overcome, he will triumph over the empirical, therapeutic intervention of friends who only want him to say amen to their humanistic understanding. Job will not do it. Job cannot do it. He is held fast by God's love, by the hasad, 
by the love of God. He is held fast by the steadfast love of God. He is held fast by the amen. Job will hang his problems and his situation upon Jesus the nail in a sure place. Good morning. My name is Dr. Josiah Rich, and happy Father's Day. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.